Let's grab a seat. Man, it's good to be with you. Welcome if you're joining online. So glad that you're here. It's good to be in this space with all of you here. Guys, it's, it's our first Sunday of fall. Ooh, I, quick, quick straw poll, I'm curious. Pumpkin spice flavor, uh, raise your hand if you're for it. Yeah. Raise your hand if you're not for it. It's, it's our flavor for our communion cup today, so maybe we shouldn't. No, it's not. That's a joke. But it probably exists somewhere. Um, I did want to mention, if you didn't grab a communion cup on your way in, to go take a moment to grab one out in the lobby. If you're watching online, uh, take a moment to grab what you need. We're going to be uh, taking communion together here in just a moment. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors, and I get to open scripture with you today. If you've got your Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and flip to First uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be reading out of that in just a moment. Uh, but, but, but before we do, I, I want to take a moment just to, to pray over us and pray over our time. Uh, Father, um, thank you for this day. Uh, I, I thank you that these words we were just singing about your love and your presence and um, your goodness, that they are all absolutely true. And that we get to be people who recognize that and who say it out loud and who are your worshipers. Um, and I pray just for our time uh, that, that you would make us attentive to your spirit this morning, make us attentive to your word, that you would open our ears, open our hearts, that, that you would lead us and you would transform us. Uh, we, we come to this time expecting those things because we know who you are. And so we thank you for this time and we love you in your name. Amen. Gardens, houses, and families. It's the name of the series that, that we kicked off uh, three weeks ago. And uh, we're looking at a, a text um, in Jeremiah, and it's a story, it's actually a very old story um, that, that happened even hundreds of years before Christ was born. It's a story about a people who God has chosen to be his people, uh, to represent him, and, and, and ultimately through them to bless the whole world. Uh, but at this point of the story that we're reading, um, they're actually going through very difficult times. Uh, they have been conquered by another nation called Babylon. And their homeland is, is now under a different kingdom. It is occupied, and many of, of these people of Israel have been pulled from their homeland, and they're in Babylon living as exiles. And in this moment, um, a lot of, of people are speaking for God, but, but they're not actually speaking for God. They're, they're actually speaking falsely, and they are telling Israel, hey, don't, don't worry, we're going to be going back home very soon. It's, it's going to happen. And, and God raises up a prophet named Jeremiah to speak. And, and what Jeremiah says is, no, God is with us. We, we, we do have hope in that. We have security in that. But in this season, in this exile, he is leading us to plant gardens, to build homes, and to start families. That as we're in this exile, we, we need to live here, we need to thrive here, so we need to plant gardens so we have sustenance to eat, have homes to live in, and, and begin community, to begin families. So we've been looking at this, this story of, of these people in exile and, and paralleling it to what it's like for us in 2021 in the Portland-Vancouver metro who are choosing to follow Jesus. Now, we're, we're not in any kind of physical exile, right? We, we can, for the most part, choose where we want to live, the house that we want to buy. Um, but, 
But it is true if we are following Jesus, if he is our Lord, if he is the one that is shaping our lives, that is informing our decisions, informing every aspect of our lives, if that is true, we will find ourselves in many ways at many times in a cultural exile finding ourselves living in opposition to a culture around us because of this king that we, fo- that we follow. We find ourselves in exile. And as these, the, the people of God roughly 2,500 years ago were conquered by Babylon, there is a sense of Babylon in our time. Now, not, not the nation, not the kingdom of Babylon with its king, but, but all throughout scripture, Babylon represents more than just a place. It's an archetype for a mindset that's opposed to God. It's a mindset that elevates the, the, the deeds of humanity in, in the face of God and actually opposes what God wants to do. And so in that sense, we do experience that influence and that power in the world around us. A world that chooses not to follow Jesus, but rather to oppose that. So we find ourselves in 2021 at times as exiles. And in that, God is calling you and I not to just survive, not to just exist in the margins hidden away, but to thrive, to plant gardens that sustain us, to build homes, to be part of families and communities, and to do it in a way that we don't just survive, but we become signposts of a better gospel, the gospel of Jesus to the world around us. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at these three concepts of gardens, houses, and families, and where God is leading us in the here and now. Uh, Tim began last week uh, with the idea of, of, of gardens, that, that, that we are, are, are planting and caring for gardens that will then sustain us. And I want to pick that up again today and, and uh, to talk about gardens and to talk about the gardens that we cultivate. And, and what I'd like to do is talk about three very practical ways that we cultivate those gardens and to give very on, uh, clear on-ramps if these new uh, rhythms are new for us. What it means to establish a garden in our lives that sustains us for the exile that we're in. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2, um, starting in verse 9. Uh, the book of 1 and 2 Peter is written to exiles, and I can almost guarantee you that beyond this day in this series, we will be back in the book of Peter, and maybe even on this, this text that I'm going to read for us today. Uh, but I'm going to start in verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, speaking to people who have chosen to follow Jesus. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which rage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the days that he visits us. This beautiful call to exiles, to people who who are living as strangers and as foreigners because they have chosen to follow Jesus, to live in such a way that we're not just existing, we're not hunkered away, uh, but, but rather we're thriving. 
Rather, we are living in a way that, that is communicating a better hope, that is communicating a better gospel. That we are living in a way that we are sustained, that we have a garden that's providing for us, but we cannot provide for ourselves as we are in exile. So as we talk about the idea of, of, of a garden that sustains us, what, what about us is sustaining? The, the people that, that, that we read about in Jeremiah 2,500 years ago was a very practical garden. He was telling them, hey, plant a garden because your bodies need to eat food and you need to grow food. For, for us, the sustenance is sustenance for our hearts. It's a garden that is sustaining our hearts as we are in exile. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all, guard your heart, because for everything you do flows from your heart. Above all, guard your heart. Your heart needs to be sustained because everything you do is going to come from your heart. Now, we, we know not all sustenance is equal, right? We, we know this physically. There is a restaurant very near my house, and I love to eat this food. I, I, every time someone brings it up, I'm like, yes, let's get some. It's, oh man, it smells good. It tastes so good. I love, love eating at this restaurant. And without fail, every time I eat at this restaurant, 30 minutes after I'm done, I feel like garbage. I feel like I've eaten styrofoam. And, and I don't know why I keep going back, but, and I won't tell you the name of the place either. But we know not all sustenance is the same. That there are some sustenance that leads to life and, and some that, that doesn't actually lead to life. This is true with our hearts. Our hearts are consuming something. And it can be something that is life-giving, that is crafted by our Heavenly Father because He knows us. Or it can be a table set from Babylon, from a world around us that is not seeking the Father. So not all sustenance is created the same. And, and, and as we talk about what sustains you, I've, I've got a few questions that might help us identify what is actually sustaining us at a heart level. The first one is this. What or who tells you who you are? What or who gives you your identity? Is it, is it God's truth? Is it the whims of culture that is constantly shifting? And this is a really important question. What gives us clarity on who we actually are? I mean, God has much to say about his sons and his daughters and what it means to be part of his family. But what gives us clarity to who we are? That's a sustaining thing in our hearts. The second question is this. What is your source of hope? Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for eternity. What is sustaining us? What is giving us hope? Or for maybe some of us, we, we don't have that sustenance. We don't, we don't have a sense of hope. Yet for the people of God, we are invited to be sustained by an unending hope, a prevailing hope. I love how um, Dallas Willard in Renovation of the Heart, he says it like this. A carefully cultivated heart will, assisted by the grace of God, foresee, forestall, or transform most of the pain, painful situations before uh, which others stand like helpless children saying, why? Dallas Willard is, is pointing at the fact that, that if we are following Jesus and we are tuned to this hope and we are being sustained by this hope, that it is a mooring, anchoring experience for us. So this question, what, what, what is giving us hope? The third one is what gives us purpose? 
We can't exist without purpose, without meaning. That's a question that, that has to be answered. I mean, I, I love the, the, the city that we live in. We are a very activist-driven city. A lot of, of, um, of people wanting a purpose and wanting to live out that purpose. And over the last few weeks, actually, uh, uh, Tim's been reading our, our vision statement, this vision that God gave us in, in 2019, um, just as COVID was kind of showing up on the scene. And it's this really inspiring vision that, that God has called us to. And, and one of the lines of, of that vision is that, that we dream of a day that every activist joins God's mission to elevate their purpose to the highest purpose, to the king's purpose, our father's purpose. But it's in those three questions. What tells us who we are? Where do we find hope? Where do we, uh, what is our purpose? In answering those three questions, I can tell you what is sustaining your heart. In answering those three questions, I can tell you what is in the garden that your heart is feasting on. My invitation for us today is to intentionally cultivate a garden where we are feasting from the way that God answers those questions. The God who has created us, who sustains us, who's present with us in exile, who has answers for each of these questions, that we are uh, cultivating a garden that is leading us towards his provision for these questions. And so as I mentioned, I, I want to offer three kind of really practical ways that we cultivate a garden. And I would love to tell you that these are brand new, innovative ways that you have never heard. You might have gone to church for 50 years, but you have never heard these. And that's just not the case. Oftentimes, the most prolific truths are very simple truths. So here are three ways that, that, that we cultivate this, this garden. First is cultivating a rhythm with God's word, a rhythm of engagement with God's word. That, that, that word rhythm is something that is intentional and predictable. It's intentional and it's predictable. It's something that we know is going to happen, something that we can count on. It's habits of our lives. Are we cultivating habits that lead us into engaging in God's word? I'm going to read another scripture for you. This is in uh, James uh, James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, and it says this. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceiving yourselves. Do what it says. I love it when scripture is super blunt like that. That's, do what it says. That's really helpful for me. I don't have to overthink that, right? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at him, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, I, I love this picture that, that is painted, that this analogy that James gives us. He says, looking at Scripture and not doing it, not engaging it, not it becoming part of our lives and stepping into this rhythm is someone who is given an identity and then walks away and forgets it to look at a mirror, to have a reflection back of what, of what you look like, and then to completely forget it. Now think of that, that, the question I just asked, what or who tells us who we are? God has provided sustenance to give us our very identity, and he invites us to read it and to follow it, to have a rhythm that engages us with this book, that brings us our identity. And, and, and the thing with, with Scripture, I, I have um, a Bible. This, I use this one for teaching. 
Um, I have one I've had for years and years I actually read and, and have notes in and, and I, 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 bought, I get teased because I bought this one at Powell's Used and it uh, was given to Gabby Patterson. But it's, uh, it's the translation we use here, so I, 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 it's, it's handy. Um, but I have one that, that I've journeyed with for years and years, and I have notes in it. And as I look back over those notes, I can see times that, that, that this word over and over again has met me in different situations and circumstances. As my life has brought new challenges, Scripture has come alive in new ways and has brought new clarity and has brought my identity as a son of God back to me over and over it's a book that is given to us for lifetime consumption to be written over and over. And when we have a rhythm that engages this scripture over and over, we are entrusting our hearts to the Father. We are listening to his counsel and his life, and we are placing our lives, our gardens, our hearts in his hands. And he's masterful. A couple of weeks ago, I was... Um, I was at Home Depot, and uh, I was there for other reasons, but walked by the plant section and took a little look at the plants because my family is really, really into house plants right now. It looks like a jungle in my house. They, every windowsill, they're, it, they're everywhere. We have the cleanest air ever. It's wonderful. And so I took a look because I'm kind of involved in that, and I think it's fun. And so I was looking at the plants and just seeing what they had and, and, and going down the different aisles. And, and I stumbled in the back kind of hidden away section of the plant department. There was a shelf that was discounted plants. They were the saddest looking, like wilted, dying plants. And, and I was looking at one in particular, and, and a very sweet employee kind of sidled up next to me. I don't know where he came from. And he says, oh, that's... That's a very sad plant. He's not doing well. And then he looked at me and said, if, if you would be willing to adopt him and take him home, I'll, I'll sell him to you for $5. I was like, man, I, I better not tell this guy. I, I ate a salad for lunch. He's taking this plant stuff very serious. But, but we got the plant, and, and I took it home, and it was kind of a challenge for my oldest daughter. She's our, like our ultimate green thumb in the family. And so I brought it and said, do you want to adopt this plant? <laughs> And, and she did, and she, she started researching what it needs and, and started caring for it. And within a couple of weeks, it, it just started to perk up. It's, it's starting to grow again. And, and, and in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing, it can thrive. When we have a life that leads us to this over and over and over, we are entrusting ourselves into the Father's hands and to how he would instruct us to live how he would inform our decisions and our relationships and brings us life because he knows us, he cares for us, he created us. Here's even a picture of this in Psalms. I love this scripture. It's a Psalm 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take this... The, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is on the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This, this beautiful image, and this image always strikes so clear to me because I, I was someone who grew up in the desert. Where, where things don't thrive, where trees don't thrive. They all dry up. And, and when I lived in New Mexico, it was just desolate, brown everywhere, just sagebrush and, and tumbleweeds blown around. And yet through the heart of the city is this river, the Rio Grande. It's just this green strip. 
And every time I, I read the scripture, I think about those trees in the desert growing and thriving whose leaves do not wither. When we have a rhythm that engages in God's word over and over and over, we are like that tree planted by the water. Going through every singing, even going through hardship, we, we are given sustenance over and over from his word. So I imagine as, um, as we're discussing this this morning that, that there's probably several of us who are in different places. There's probably many of us here who have long-standing rhythms of going to God's word over and over, and you're probably watching online or you're probably in your seat and you hear what I'm saying and you can say, yes, that's true. Yes, amen. I, I totally agree. I have a rhythm of God's word and it sustains me. I imagine there's also some of us here who, who maybe we, we know the idea of Scripture and, and, and maybe even have a reverence for Scripture, but it's, it's not something that's worked its way into the predictable rhythms of our lives. Or, or maybe there's some of us that there has been seasons that this Scripture has, and, 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 and in this moment, it's, it's not something that we're leaning into over and over. I have a very simple and practical challenge for you. Would you take the next 21 days and read through the book of John? It's 21 chapters long. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's a gospel. It tells the story of Jesus. And in this, this amazing book, Jesus even makes statements about himself that we can expect. He says that I'm your shepherd. He says, I'm going to be your light. I'm going to be your life. He makes these promises to us that we can be sustained because of who he is. And so I want to challenge you in the next 21 days to, to read the book of John. I'm going to do it. You can let me know how it's going. I'll let you know how it's going. Let's cultivate a rhythm of engaging in God's word so that we can be sustained. The second rhythm, very practical, cultivating a rhythm of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer, that probably sounds more familiar to you. Fasting might sound a little less familiar, familiar to you. Uh, but developing a, a culture, or a, a rhythm of prayer and fasting where we are engaging the Father at a conversation level every day. I mean, isn't it fascinating, mind-blowing that the God of the universe who created all things and sustains all things has his ear turned to you? That he wants to know everything about you? He wants to hear you bear your soul to him to bring needs to him, to bring wonder to him, to, to access forgiveness from him. The, the God of the universe has his ear turned to us. It's such an amazing invitation. It's an invitation for us to cultivate a rhythm of praying, of talking with Jesus. And in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 35, it says this about Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus models for us what it means to be sustained by praying, by communicating with the God of the universe. Praying and fasting. Fasting is, if you need a definition, it's simply uh, choosing not to eat or drink for a, a, a set period of time with the purpose of having greater focus and intention on God. Choosing to set aside a physical meal so I can be more intentional about praying and connecting with God. And after, oftentimes what happens in that physical hunger, it awakens a spiritual hunger within us. When we choose to set aside food and our body is grumbling for food, we become aware 
that our heart also hungers and thirsts for God. So this is a, 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 a devotion, this is a discipline that actually enriches our prayer and connection with God. And it's a rhythm as a church, um, prayer and fasting, that, that we're stepping into more intentionally in this season. Um, uh, this is happening on Tuesdays at noon. We are choosing to set aside a meal and, and, and actually step into the physical hunger of fasting so that we can more intentionally pray and seek God. Uh, to go along with this, we actually have a, a devotional that's coming out every Tuesday that, that you can sign up for. If you haven't done yet, I would encourage you to do that. This is something that, that we get to do as a, as a community as we cultivate an intentional rhythm of prayer and fasting. The third rhythm is this, cultivating a rhythm of being present. Being present with God, being present with one another, being present with ourselves. I mean, I, I mentioned that Babylon is a, a, a cultural influence. I'll tell you, I think one of the things that Babylon does the best is distract. Where we can live hurried, busy lives of distraction, where we are not aware and we are not present. What's going on in our own hearts, what's going on with the people around us, or the God of the universe who wants our attention. To be present, developing a rhythm, cultivating a rhythm where we are present with the God of the universe. God is inviting us to enjoy his presence. Knowing about God, having an idea of God, and experiencing his presence are very, very different things. In, in, in my household, Monday morning through Friday morning, it, it's kind of chaos. Maybe some of you experience this. Um, there's two of us trying to get to work and three of us trying to get to school. And it's all roughly about the same time. And it's, it's kind of chaotic. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of talking, but it's mostly function. Who's going to pick up so-and-so? Who's, you know, let's make lunches. What do we think? And it's just go, 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 go. In contrast to times where we get to just be with one another, to set aside busyness and to have a meal together and to just be present. Jesus isn't seeking a functional relationship with you and I. He wants to be present. He wants us to be present with him, to be aware of who he is. And he's given us so many ways to do this. And he's given us so much beautiful creation that is a, a huge prompt. It's a huge reminder of who he is that we can stop, that we can just revel in who he is and be aware of who he is and worship him. I mean, awareness is one of the, 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 the key pillars of worship. Do we actually perceive and see how great God is? Because when we do it, when we're aware, it prompts us to worship him. I'm going to read this um, Psalm uh, 104, and I'm going to invite our, our team to, to come back up as well. We're going to take communion in a moment. I'm just going to read um, a, a few of the verses at the end. If you get time, I invite you to read this. It's a beautiful psalm. And it's, it's written by someone who is just completely captured by how amazing God is. Some of the, 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 the verses in this chapter talk about the splendor of God, that he's wrapped in the stars, that he's marvelous, that he's, that he's the creator of, of, of everything we can see in the sky, all the way down to the small bird that's flying. And the psalmist just goes on and on. They're just raptured by how amazing God is. And this, this is the response. 
at the end in, in verse 33 and 34. He says then, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. One translation says, may my med meditation be fixed on him. Man, I'm aware, I'm present with who he is. The God of the universe is inviting us to be present. His ear is towards us. He's not hurried. He's not busy. He's not distracted. He's not frustrated. He's present with us and invites us to be present with him. I want to invite you a very simple and practical way to step into this. It's sometime this week, uh, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, maybe if you have a lunch break, to simply walk outside. And, and this is the perfect time of year for this because fall is bringing changing leaves and it's just beautiful. But, but to walk outside and, and as you walk out the door of your work or your home or your school, to very intentionally set aside your own busyness, the things that are occupying your mind and your attention, the anxieties of your heart, to very intentionally set them aside, step into God's creation. And like this, the psalmist wrote, Psalm 104, be in awe of what God has done and be present with him. To try that this week and then, and then maybe try it again and, and then maybe try to cultivate this as a rhythm of life. And cultivating this garden where we are feasting on what God is providing for us. And that we are people who are not just merely surviving as exiles, but who are thriving who have a story to tell about their father, who have a story to tell about the gospel of Jesus, which is a better way. God has provided so much for us. He sustains us. He's even provided himself. This is why we take communion week after week. We're retelling the story that Jesus provides for us what we could not provide for himself in the form of him going to the cross, facing death, being resurrected by the Spirit of God, and bringing salvation to anyone who proclaims his name. So I want to invite you to um, get your communion, and, and you can go ahead and start opening it up. And as you do... Um, whether you're here in person or you're at home on a couch, wherever you are, I'm going to invite you to take what you have for communion, to hold it in your hands, and to actually stand for a moment. We're going to continue to sing. I'm going to pray over us before we take communion. We're going to take communion together in just a moment. Father, thank you for the ways that you sustain us. Even these elements that we, we hold in our hands, we know that this is sustenance that you provide for us. We do this in worship. We do this in remembrance. And I pray as we take communion and we continue to worship and then eventually as we go from this place that you would call to mind these rhythms that you invite us to, these rhythms that nourish our soul, these rhythms that are life-giving to us that your spirit would prompt us to engage these, that we would be intentional about seeking after these, making these part of our lives. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this day that you've created in your name. Amen. Let's, let's take communion.